Oh, man, I feel like I should do the introduction on this in a uh, redneck accent, but I just don't have it in me. Uh, (laughs) I've never heard you try to do a comedic accent before, so I don't know if that's anything I should be encouraging. It's probably not a good idea. It's probably not a good idea. Um, But uh, (laughs) um, welcome back, everyone, to Make Your Own Damn Podcast, a podcast where we look back on the wonderful Wild films of trauma entertainment. Um, today's movie is is a pretty beloved uh, movie um, that trauma distributed. Um, I had seen it a really long time ago, but didn't remember a whole lot except for one scene that we'll get to. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, do you want to say what this movie is, Jeff? All right, yeah, the movie we're talking about this week is Redneck Zombies from 1987, directed by Percy. Everyone's going to be like, that's not how his name is spelled. It's spelled dramatically different by that than that. He goes by Percy. We're just going to say Percy to make it easy on us. I am yeah. um, Percy Lunis, and this is um, – his first movie, he's only done two movies. His second one was in 2007. We can talk about that a little bit later. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this is kind of like one of Troma's more notorious movies that they distributed. And I definitely remember, like, when I was first getting into Troma, uh, that this was one of the movies that Troma seemed to be most well-known for, other than, you know, outside the Lloyd Kaufman movies, that you had things like, uh, you know, Rabbit Grannies, which we discussed already, uh, Campbell the Musical, which we discussed, and, like, Redneck Zombies was frequently one thrown in there, along with a lot of times, like, Bloodsucking Freaks, which we we will be talking about at some point. Oh, yeah, we got a, we got a request for that on <laughs> Facebook this week, did we not? Did we? Yeah, 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 um, when I, um, or maybe it was last week, I don't know, I don't know what day it is anymore, but, uh, you know, whatever, okay, whatever... Blurry. Yeah, whatever day it was where I posted all the movies we'd covered so far and asked people what uh, what they wanted to see, um, uh, somebody in the comments said uh, "blood sucking freaks," and uh, you know, yeah, we will be getting to that eventually. <laughs> so yeah, and so redneck zombies here now. Uh, watching it again for this episode, I say again, I'm not a hundred percent sure if I've ever actually seen the whole movie before. Really. I, no, I've seen more than just the trailer, but I had, like, zero memory of, like, the acid autopsy scene, which... I have zero memory of that as well. All the reviews on, of it, like, that's one of the scenes that people mention the absolute most, and I'm like, I don't remember that scene in this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I maybe saw it at a party like, in college, and really wasn't paying that close of attention to it, you know, hanging out, drinking, getting stoned with a bunch of people, and I'm pretty sure that's, like, where my framework of reference for this movie's from, and I'm like, I either am misremembering and watch something else, or I really was not paying any attention while this was on, and... because yeah, I, I, I feel like... I didn't remember a lot of this movie, and mainly I didn't remember it being so clever, that it's, it's much, uh funnier, uh, clever movie than I had remembered it being at all. Though, looking at reviews of it, very few reviews, what I'll mention is is a horror comedy, very few reviews ever really give it much of a credit in the humor department. 
No, but it is it is funny, and and again, it is, and like you said, it is a lot more clever than I um than I remembered it being. Like I uh I remember thinking it was okay, but I don't remember it feeling like I don't know. Like I got I got really excited watching it last night. Like I was <laughs> like, this is fun. Like this is I don't know. This is like why I used to watch movies all the time. You know, like when I was like browsing you know suncoast motion picture company there's a name from the past and uh you know just looking for movies to buy like i mean this would have been i I don't know movies like this were what i was looking for you know um yeah and i feel this is also like one of the movies that like people not really that familiar with trauma know about redneck zombies that has just such a iconic name that yeah i know like uh you know, horror t-shirt companies sell Redneck Zombies t-shirts, and they don't bother to do that with the vast majority of Choma's filmography. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, this one, um, you know, to, you know, speaking of how popular it was, or, or you know, at least as far as these movies are popular, uh, it was actually an answer to a question on um, a 1980s edition of Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's, that's huge. I mean, you know, in a way. So earlier today, um, prep for this episode. So I got the, uh, 20th, uh, 20th anniversary DVD part of the Trome Masterpiece collection of Troma DVDs, which is a special edition filled with interviews, has the director's commentary. Most of the stuff I have for this episode comes from the special features and a lot in, um, on that special edition DVD. But, what I found so cute was the director in one of the features was saying about how he knew they made it when they were a Trivial Pursuit uh, uh, question. He's like, that launched us into pop culture. And he <laughs> meant that with complete sincerity. And it's yeah. like, the thing is, though, like, Trivial Pursuit was a much bigger deal. And board games such as that used to be a much bigger deal. So the fact that you made this movie on VHS... And it ends up becoming a part of one of the, at the time period, most popular, like, board games, evening entertainment things to do. Yeah, yeah that is kind of like uh, like a major coup d'etat right there for the little guys. Say. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but his sincerity and how proud he was that they were questioning Trivial Pursuits was very adorable. That's, yeah, that's cute. I love it. Um, now, he is... Uh, one of the only people in the credits of this movie that uh, has a name that sounds real. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so we've got, uh, I'm just going to throw a few names out there. Um, you know, uh, notable ones are, you know, we've got, um, I was just looking at it, P. Floyd Piranha, which, <laughs> um, God. Oh, there was one really other. Oh yeah, the the writers. There was uh, Zoo Feet. Zoo Feet and, and uh, Fester Smellman. Fester Smellman. <laughs> Which that's pretty good. I I gotta give him that credit. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good fake name right there. Yeah. Fester Smellman. Yeah. Um, and those are actually just uh, very dumb uh, pseudonyms for the other two main uh, producers, uh, quote unquote producers, because mm. I'm not. 
their role in the movie isn't as their roles in the movie isn't as easily defined as in like Hollywood that the uh, three main people who um, uh, made the movie with uh, Percy Lewis. Sorry, my uh, IMDb is crapping on me right here for the second while I'm trying to pull up their exact names. But the um, other two producers, the three of them together did pretty much everything behind the scenes of the movie they operated the cameras they operated the sound they assisted with the lighting they did have a different head lighted person but they helped set up the lighting they did effects they did absolutely like everything so and then they was... got just like their friends to help them out at various stages of, along the way over the course of 32 weekends in a row so it was an uh an independent production and the truest sense of the word. Oh, yes, yes. Completely independent. They were just funding the movie like a couple hundred dollars at, at a time as they got like, you know, their paychecks from like their day jobs oh, and love that. things like that. And then that went on to <clears throat> to fund them having to buy props. Like the only uh, towards the end of the movie, there's a scene where they break a, uh, a bottle over one of the zombies heads. That was the mm. only prop for the entire movie that they did not make themselves. They actually ordered that from a distribution company, like a film. Uh, a, a, a company that distributes props to film productions, and they ordered it directly from them, and they got one bottle made of the um, was it sugar glass. Yeah, and yeah. They were so paranoid about handling it on set because you know, it was the one thing they could not replace and just build again. And the actor impromptu flips the bottle around before he smashes it over the zombie's head. And one of the producers talked about how they practically had a heart attack at. Oh, I bet. Because that was unscripted. Because it immediately went through his head as he did the flip. What if he drops it and it breaks? Yeah. Which, that's how, Damn. like, independent these were. So, of course, we had uh, Percy Lunas. We also had Edward Bishop and um, George Scott were the okay. two others. Okay, and the and uh, that's uh, those are the uh, the um, so, so those three they're the same like the pseudonyms that I listed are, are actually them like yes okay yes. all right and um, now uh, and we, because we they did, also all did everything so they're they you just, know yeah and they didn't really care about credits and because remember like this is at a point where like. And it's so kind of true that if you release a movie and you just have the same couple of people's names showing up in all of the credits, people yeah. inherently have a bias against it. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I know that still is definitely true because, I, I mean, people will still use low budget as like a uh, – uh, like a like as 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 basically like a synonym for for bad, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is crazy. Um, but uh, did you did you happen to see what the uh, the actual budget of the film was? Um, I can't really confirm it anywhere, but yeah. I believe it was around a hundred to a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Is one uh. Um, yeah, one number I've seen thrown around, and okay. but I can't really find it verified anywhere. But I th think that probably sounds about right, though. If anything, at least in, that might be too high, <laughs> because yeah. listening to how they like made the movie, um, I'm not sure exactly how much the equipment costs because 
the equipment they had was, you know, not available to everyone at the time. They spent a lot of money on purchasing things like, you know, VHS recorders, which right. well, we, we'll get to that little factoid coming, coming up here probably pretty soon. Um, uh, but they, you know, they bought all that stuff themselves and they taught themselves how to do kind of like all the effects and, uh, you know, how to use all the equipment. And they took a lot of time on it. The original plan was was supposed to be a, a six weekend shoot and it turned into a 32 weekend shoot. Oh, man. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's that's a. Uh... I don't even know what to say. That is, that's just a lot more than they, uh, yeah. a lot more than they planned. Holy shit! And apparently, um, um, I'm, I'm also just like impressed they were able to keep so many other people on board that entire time because yeah. they'll mention that there's specific scenes in the movie where you'll have in the cuts of two characters talking or interacting with each other in the cuts um, shots from spring, summer. Uh, fall and winter and that it's he's like it's not even just days or weeks apart it's a whole entire seasons oh that's apart. crazy but, and they had to, and they were able to you know edit it all together and you know i don't think it shows like i would not know i would not have guessed that the movie was all the shots were outside over the course of a full year with none of the weather matching at all like i never would have guessed that they have it edited together fairly well yeah, I would say so, because I wasn't, I mean, maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention, but uh, I definitely didn't notice the uh, the trees changing colors or anything like that. And, and before we get into then, like, the actual movie itself, I guess, like, the final kind of bit to bring up about um, its, like, production and the making of it that makes it kind of noteworthy is, now, Troma says this. So take it with a grain of salt. However, I cannot find anything conflicting. This is the first worldwide distributed movie that was shot completely on VHS tape. I would believe that because um, I feel like the timing is right. Like I like the um, like I know in like the late 80s, there was a lot of that was when the shot on video kind of craze started um, late 80s to early 90s. Mm-hmm. I could see this being one of the first ones. And this was 87. So, yeah. um, and they were working on it for, from like, they were working on it. They started the very beginning of 86, if I'm remembering correctly from what they said. Yeah. Uh, so it would kind of line up there. They said that they had it in their head at the beginning of production, that they wanted to be the first straight to video movie made on video. Cause they just thought that whole concept was kind of, you know, funny yeah. and neat. Definitely. Um, it's it's fun, man. It's like a, uh, you know, I mean, I, it feels very much uh, for for the fans, by the by fans, you know, by the fans, um, the, you know, is what the film feels like to me. Like, it just feels like trauma fans or or low budget horror fans just like being like, fuck it. Let's just try. Let's just give it a, give it a try. So, um. Should we go into what the movie actually is? So first, let's uh, let's say what what does the Troma website say about it? Oh yes, I have it pulled up right here. So yeah. from Troma's website, this is the description given for Redneck Zombies. Backwoods Hicks mistake barrels of toxic waste 
for moonshine and become tobacco-chewing, gut-stomping, cannibal kinfolk from hell. The goriest laugh riot ever produced. Redneck Zombies is an unforgettable onslaught of dismemberment and human body parts. So, short and straight to the point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, we can... Um... Yeah, that, I mean that about sums it up. But uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's let's try to deep dive a little bit on uh, what what actually happens in this movie. Um, uh, it starts out with like a oh gosh, I thought I had the plot thing pulled up, but yeah, I mean it starts out with a really kind of a funny warning, um, you know, or not a warning, but a uh, you know, like it, it it's kind of a. Uh, like text going across the uh, uh, screen, kind of like setting the um, uh, setting the story, and we get like some also some shots of the interior of an insane asylum. Like yeah. remember that's actually like how it starts with the interior of the insane that's asylum. Right. Yeah. And then we get some like flashes of that like something happened, and yeah. then we get like the movie then goes back in time to tell you about like how the people ended up in the insane asylum and like mm-hmm. what happened with this and we get like some I want to talk guys? about the insane asylum a little bit um, okay let's talk about the insane asylum yeah I, I I don't think they would let somebody read Fangoria in an insane asylum because <laughs> uh, the imagery might be a little triggering <laughs> um, is the Fangoria in the beginning of the movie or only at the end of the movie it's in the beginning it's in the beginning as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, 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 I'm not a hundred percent sure about cigarettes if it's an inpatient thing because, like, that can be considered something you can hurt yourself with, this which that guy 80s. does. This was the '80s. Things were different. And that, yeah, that's true. That's true. This is the '80s. But yeah, those are just two random things. Although the guy who's playing that that mental patient one is, as he's credited in the uh, in the credits. Uh, he really sells it, man. <laughs> and, and, uh, I guess it's actually good that you paused on that scene right there because the uh, in the commentary they actually talk about that that was seen that was that scene was one of many stolen scenes, as in they did not have permits to be filming there, and they just went in and gorilla shot the scenes they needed to and got out. And apparently yeah. there was a good number of scenes in the movie that they did not have permits for where they were shooting. Okay, yeah, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> so, v- very classic DIY filmmaking right here. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, and then, like, yeah, you get opening credits, and uh, the first thing I saw, which got me really excited, was Full Moon Pictures Presents. Okay, yes, so before we started actually recording, this briefly came up and I made you stop, because I wanted to hear you explain this during the show. So, I saw watching this for the show full moon was it, it says full moon productions right uh, full moon pictures full moon pictures it says yeah so my first thought is full moon the um low budget film company that frequently gets compared to trauma and i was like did full moon and trauma have a weird crossover business wise and it was redneck zombies i had no idea and then i was yeah. searching online i was trying to figure out something and I can find nothing fucking connecting Redneck Zombies to Full Moon. So why yeah. does it say Full Moon in the beginning and end of the movie? You said you figured out the answer to this. Yeah, I and 
I figured it out, but even then it's kind of a guess. Um, so it says full moon pictures, uh, but full moon that we know, you know, the Charles band run uh, low budget yeah. company is full moon features. And, or although back then it was full moon entertainment. Um, and I can't imagine them having a movie that didn't start with their logo, um, especially back then. So I think it's just a different production company that they, you know, and they just, yeah, it just with a very similar name. <laughs> well, and I was wondering if the commentary would enlighten me in any way. And um, when the full moon flashes, one of the people, one of the producers just says, Oh, yeah, full moon, but it's not the full moon you're thinking of. This is before Charles Band. And and I was like, wait, what does that mean? (laughs) So I don't know what. Yeah, so. Yeah, so back then, Charles, you know what? Uh, Yeah, I think I'm trying to remember my timeline here, but I think like Charles Band might have still been doing Empire um, and. Uh, you know, before he started Full Moon Features. So I think, yeah, so I think that's what that comment is in reference to, you know, when the guy said that was before Charles Band. So they're, yeah. I guess they were saying they were the first Full Moon, basically. <laughs> like, uh, like the, I guess Charles Band did not start Full Moon? Is No, um, I think it was just a case of like two different companies with the same name or a similar name. Yeah, he could be. He could have meant this company was before yeah. Charles Band. Yeah. I, okay, I'm looking up. Yeah, because I'm looking up Full Moon Productions, uh, which mm-hmm. is Charles Band's thing. That company did start Charles Band and officially started in 1988. So, yeah. and so, so that Red Zombies yeah. was released a year before and was doing filming two years before Full Moon Features ever even started so yeah, yeah so there's no relation that's just a bizarre coincidence but it got me weirdly excited because i was like you know like the how we started this podcast was i initially uh run, hit you with the idea of like you know do you want to do a full moon retrospective and i was like oh we're actually gonna kind of get to talk about full moon but we're not <laughs> not yet at least not yet at least i bet you that full moon connection is coming yeah, yeah, we we just haven't seen it yet, I guess. Um, yeah, and so from there, um, oh, also during the opening credits, we have this hilarious uh, kind of dead dog type country song um, about, uh, you know, like the guy having his, <laughs> his, his girlfriend left him or whatever, but he's, you know... <laughs> I'm just a blue dick redneck zombie till I die. <laughs> like just the music's fairly good in this movie. Like um, the uh, the DVD like special edition I got also came with a um, audio CD of all the songs from the movie. Oh, cool, cool. So, which I believe is at least in acquiring all these Blu-rays and DVD special editions and stuff like that for the show. Like, I think this is my first time getting the, uh, like an audio soundtrack as a special feature. Oh yeah, that is. Yeah. You don't see that too often. Like I have a nice Blu-ray set of, um, Campbell Holocaust and Campbell Ferox that has the, uh, soundtracks as audio discs. And oh, I got cool. a cool, uh, Hodorowski, um, 
uh, box set that has the soundtracks for El Topo and Holy Mountain as um, as audio CDs. But you know, like these are kind of like real specialty releases I have. Yeah, this I is used a promo to... release, and it came with an audio CD. I used to have a three disc special edition of Suspiria, and the third disc was the was the Goblin soundtrack. I had that same one back in the day. Yeah. I don't know what the hell happened to it. <laughs> I don't know. Probably right. let it out and never got it back. Story of my life. <laughs> so now we're uh, we're introduced to the the uh, military is taking a uh, barrel of nuclear waste through the middle of the countryside for no goddamn apparent reason. Yes. Um, yeah, and uh, as uh, badmovies.org points out, um, highly classified chemical and nuclear waste is transported in the back of a Jeep. That's a thing I learned from this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, uh, the, um, I believe his name is Tyrone, is, is driving um, with, this, with this nuclear waste, and um, yeah, he hits a bump in the road, and uh, the barrel goes rolling out the back of his out the back of his jeep and uh, into a field. And when he goes to try to retrieve the barrel, he gets confronted by a uh, the first redneck of the movie. Uh, who's the first is, of many. The first of many. The first of many. Uh, this one is named Ferd, correct? Oh, I don't know what the names are. I have no idea. But first, Redneck, we can go with that. Yeah, Redneck one. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and he holds him up. At, he and uh, yeah, uh, Redneck one. No, it is Ferd. Uh, Ferd holds. Um, yeah, uh, holds the soldier up at gunpoint, and uh, so the soldier goes running, which. <laughs> I'm a little dubious on, but that's okay. Um, I guess I guess Ferd had the drop on him. He had the drop um, on him. He had the gun on him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then very quickly, uh, Redneck Number One, as I'm going to call him, uh, other Rednecks show up. It's a Redneck family of a father and his three sons, and the three sons are the the, the director and the two producers. Um, oh, that's them. Okay. And, and um, uh, they uh, they demand was it money he, uh, the first redneck owes over something and uh, yeah because he he shot up their still he he destroyed their still that's right yeah. and so he offers to replace their still with this barrel that fell <laughs> off the army truck I mistakenly the- shot up your shot up your still because I, I I dropped my weapon and it went off four times <laughs> as he yeah. explains. But yeah, so he offers the, uh, the yeah. old father redneck is uh, kind of interesting. That is played by William Benson, who um, uh, he's also listed as one of the main producers. Mostly, he was really nice to the uh, the three young guys making the movie, and he, he was an older person already had some experience in acting in Hollywood, and he gave them some money to help finish the movie. And he agreed to be in it, um, that he liked the name. And when he showed up on set one day to check out the uh, how the shooting was going, um, the person who was supposed to play the old redneck hadn't showed up that day. And they needed to get the shots. So they asked him if he would be in the movie. And, 
And also what makes him also interesting is he later went on to win an Emmy and he works with NASA now. Really? Yes. Um, he is like he works with NASA and is part of the science outreach division. And he produced a um, I believe it's for PBS, um, a, a children's science series. I don't have the name of it. It's actually a little bit difficult. Um pulling up information connecting these two people that it's kind of scrubbed online that the same guy that did this NASA work and won a Emmy for PBS net was in Redneck Zombies and helped produce it. Yeah. And in fact, there's a reference to this on the Wikipedia and I thought like, okay, that's just somebody confusing names of that. On the DVD, they have an interview with him with all of his Emmys he's won in the background. Oh, that's and great. And it's not a joke. This guy's actually become, like, part of the science outreach of NASA. And well, early it, in it, his career, he started in Redneck Zombies. It just goes to show it's uh, it's not too late, Jeff. You can still run for office. <laughs> I think it's too late. Oh. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> So he was probably the most successful person to come from this movie, I would kind of argue. Yeah. Yeah, the director went on to do a couple things, but yeah, he didn't work for NASA. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. He didn't, he didn't do much, and I'm curious what he actually, quote-unquote, does these days. I tried looking him up online, and he's on that social media at all, which kind of surprised me. Interesting. A lot of these trauma people aren't on social media. Yeah. They've all just kind oh. of going off to the wayside. A lot of these people I've tried to look up, I'm like, of course they have Twitter accounts. They do not. Oh, that's a shame. So we have now the family of rednecks introduced, and mm -hmm. they get this great plan to make moonshine using the barrel that they took from this guy who took from the army, and it was used to store toxic waste. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, uh, picture I said that in the... Uh voice of the midget from Twin Peaks. Um, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, the, um, there's, there's some people going camping in the woods. Yes. That's, yeah. It, we, we get, we got the group of teens going or teens, young 20 somethings going camping as every movie like this needs. Yes, absolutely. Um, and they're being led by a guide who is a fellow who used to live in the area. So yeah, the teens, uh, or uh, young adults, they're, they are not rednecks, but their guide is. Uh, uh, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're, you know, they're uh, looking to basically just have some fun in the woods like uh, like everybody else in movies back, uh, back in the 80s, I guess. Um, and, uh, yeah, while that is happening... Um, there, uh, the uh, family starts. Yeah, they start making the the moonshine with um, with this toxic waste. But the reason they do is because it gets uh, it gets spilled by accident, and they're like, "Well, now we got to make the rest of it with this stuff, so it all tastes like you know the same." I guess. Yeah, I. It's a it's a weak setup, but I'll I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah the um, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons to like this movie, and um, you know yeah like a, a you know a, a strong plot 
you know, um, with a lot of logic is not really one of the reasons why, and that's okay. Um, and so now, so now we're finally at the Heather was it their their glowing green moonshine? Yeah, which is which is some pretty great visuals. Yes, and I, I like I definitely know at higher end cocktail bars in Portland, I've seen drinks that have looked exactly like that. So oh yeah, I know people oh, yeah. would people would drink that. You told me it was alcohol. People would drink it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, especially if you're like, you know. Apparently the the uh, the town's only supply for uh, for moonshine. That's right. It does seem like that they're the sole supplier of alcohol in this yeah. in this redneck. Um, is it town even the right word? They all seem to be living community. In the, community seems better because yeah. they're all living out in the woods and they're walking through the woods to get, as we later see in the movie, to get at each other's houses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's a very, like, um, uh, even though it's a movie that came out, like, 20 years later, uh, like, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, where yeah. they're all, it's all these just houses out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, a lot of this movie is meant as a direct tribute to uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that there's a lot of reused shots and scenes from Texas Chainsaw Massacre throughout this entire movie. Yeah, I mean, there's one that I specifically remember because I, I texted you about it. Um, they 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 shot for shot remake essentially uh, the hitchhiker scene from the first and Texas Chainsaw. The actor who had uh, played the hitchhiker had never seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so the director had really? to describe what the character was like and what he did. Do you remember what they have a discussion about? Because is it is it oh it's shaving that's it's right shaving. Yeah, it's shaving yeah i was like i remember in, in you know in texas chainsaw it's the you know hitting the cow with the sledge versus um shooting it with the air gun um and yeah this was shaving it was like talking about the electric razor versus he, he, uh, he cuts it and then he cuts himself shaving which yes. then he cuts the driver just mimicking the slicing of the oh. hand and slicing of the arm scene in texas chainsaw massacre of course yeah, and yeah, it just I don't know. I I had again like like a lot of this movie, I had I had forgotten a lot of it for whatever reason and seeing that last night just really it just made me laugh. Uh, and and it made me happy just because I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting this like I mean pretty much like perfectly recreated um homage, you know. And and they were doing it just to be funny. They just yeah. they just thought it would be funny if they had that in. And yeah. I like so I love that detail that the actor playing the hitchhiker had never seen the original movie. Yeah. That no, that is special. That's that that makes it even more special, I think. Um Yeah, so um but yeah, that scene happens uh because uh one of the um one of the sons uh uh is uh you know ha- is kind of sent out as the um the messenger for uh you know has to um give out moonshine to everybody so so he goes driving around oh, yeah. and um yeah and all the scenes of him driving around and delivering things are really like awesome like the hitchhiker scene which we already mentioned yeah and 
I know it's a little bit later in the movie, but it just occurs outside of any plot context. But the home butcher scene? Yeah. That was yes. like a legit solid horror sequence. I agree. I agree. Like, I was like, oh, man, I want to see that movie. You know, like. <laughs> so if you haven't seen Redneck Zombies, like, they, the, the Redneck character is dropping off Moonshine. And we cut to the interior of this house with these two characters who we have not seen yet in the movie. And I don't believe we see again in the movie. No, there, no. It's just this one scene that there was this woman tied up with duct tape in their, like, living room. She's screaming. There's this really kind of just weird, creepy-looking guy sitting next to her, silently staring at her. Yeah. And then there's a guy in the side room butchering what were inferred to be a human corpse, and he's splattered in blood, and there's, like, raw meat hanging around. And, and, and meanwhile, on the TV, there's factory farm footage showing. Which is all real footage that the director himself shot at a um, at a chicken processing plant oh. in Baltimore. So that's not stock footage. Like, he, like... Nope. Oh, wow. Wow. Man. And it's, it's the uh, clipping of newborn chicks uh beaks is what we're watching yeah yeah <laughs> he had uh, a friend that worked in a uh worked in the plant and gave him a tour there once and he saw that in process and he just thought it was so weird to see and then later asked if he could film it and yeah. so he incorporated it into the movie and that footage that they have on the tv wow and it, yeah it's it adds so much to that scene. It definitely too. adds a weird environment to that, to yeah. this whole scene. Of, like, that's it, what they have on the TV in the background. It, I don't think, I don't know if we can do justice, like, how tonally different it is from the rest of the movie. Like, this it's particular scene. It's a real scene. hardcore tonal shift that... Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, I want to say, like, the movie... Is like a fun B horror movie, but this particular scene is like something from an Ed Lee novel. It reminded me of Ed Lee. It also reminds me a lot of just like, like just like the really sleazy, really dark degenerate uh, grindhouse yes. flicks. Like it's definitely channeling that energy in yeah. this moment. And so the uh, moonshine guy walks in through the door and he freezes seeing everything going on and the butcher character walks out of this room who we couldn't actually see him full on before now we can and he's holding a big meat cleaver and everyone's just kind of silent staring at each other and it plays out an uncomfortably long amount of time also yeah. flashing to the footage of the uh chicks getting their beaks uh cut and um uh he then says about he's here to deliver the moonshine and then they have a little back and forth that they was it he was late before is late or he they weren't quite happy with the last purchase i think so yeah something like that and then it holds out a little longer and then he gets them the money and then that's the end of the scene yeah and they just did that transaction that this is just this one little quick poke into this like really dark fucked up yeah thing that's going on apparently in a different building during the course of this whole movie yeah for real Jesus. Yeah. Um, and then uh, one of the other people, he or one of the other uh, houses uh, that he delivers to is um, one of the only scenes I, re I remembered. Actually, probably the only scene I remembered from uh, from the first time I watched it. And it was the uh, the two, I guess, their brothers, like, watching uh, 
really interesting porn. Oh um, god! Oh yeah. god! Just, just the, the the woman just handling her tits on the screen for a ridiculously long time with like really weird music playing too. Like, they they had that in this, in the movie according to the director's commentary because they knew they they needed to have tits in the movie somehow, and so this was their idea to incorporate tits since. Yeah. There's no real, there's no like sex scene during the course of the movie or something like that. Um, yeah. So they just wanted to have tits, and that's what we got. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so while he's out delivering, you know, like obviously, like people are drinking this shit, and his family's drinking this shit, and they're um, and yeah, they're turning into zombies, and uh, but like. I guess the the transformation of the zombies is kind of weird acid trip yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Drugs come up a decent amount throughout the course of this movie, which uh, I did not recall. There's several weed smoking scenes. There's yeah. an acid scene, which we're going to eventually get to. And the effects of turning into a zombie is depicted in the movie as a character essentially like having an acid trip as they die and turn into the undead. Though I guess it's also more of a bit gradual process um, Mm -hmm. because this isn't like people turn instantly. It seems like it takes them some time to fully turn. Yeah. Did I read that right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, Because even like the... uh... Yeah, because they, they kind of, um, the way it's filmed, it kind of gives the impress- impression of uh, time passing. Yeah, because it seemed like they drink, and then it would be some time later before they fully turn. Yeah. And then it happened upon drinking. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so when they finally turn, though, it's very heavily depicted as like a drug trip-like experience, which is a interesting take on uh, zombieism. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, inevitably, uh, some of the zombies uh, find you know cross paths with the uh, with the camping uh, with the campy with the campers. And uh, two of the chicks are the first two to go. Yep. Yeah. Um, and um, I gotta say, uh, the you know. Uh, the gore effects are pretty, uh, pretty gnarly. They're they're solid for the amount of like the restraints that they were working. Yeah, under. I mean, I, yeah. And I said like I remember. I'm certain I've seen this before, but I guess I wasn't paying full attention. I know like wherever I saw it, we watched all the gore effects because like all the gore scenes, I definitely had in the back of my brain. Like I had seen all yeah. the gore in this movie somehow, and um. I remember them looking stronger than they did in the past, and it just might be that gore in the past 20 years, even the practical effects, has gone such a drastically more yeah. extreme direction. And so this this looked like quaint. I give it you know, I give it a thumbs up. It's definitely a low-budget 80s gore yeah. flick. And I've definitely seen a lot worse. I've definitely seen a lot worse, and I've seen a lot worse in trauma movies. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> But it, I remember it being grislier, and it wasn't as grisly as I remember it being. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it definitely had more of a, um, uh, 
I don't know. Splatstick is the word I'll use. You know, like very like cartoony. If it being cleaned up for like this latest edition, like, because I'm sure what you probably, you, I'm assuming you watch this on Troma now. I did, I did. And um, it's probably this exact same cut that I watched on the uh, yeah 20th anniversary DVD. Yeah, I, I would say so. And it, you know, it looks better than I remembered it looking, but that also might be a little bit of the detriment for some of the gore effects. Cause, yeah, I could like, see that. This on V, I think I may have even seen like the, a VHS. A friend had a VHS copy of it. That's how I seen it. Because like I think on a actually, there's some movies I think kind of get harmed a little bit by getting cleaned up, in which you can see all the seams. Like in this, you could see the seams, uh, in the effects. Yeah. Which some people like you know that has its own charm to it, but uh. Before, there's a lot of movies that, while well, can seem cheesy now, all cleaned up, that the gore hit a lot harder and a lot more viscerally when that was kind of blurred out in a Yeah, way. because it almost... And I it think had, this might like, be one of those movies. I think you're right. I think you're right. Because, um, like, yeah, there. I mean, there was something about stuff that was, like, of a lower film quality, and I don't mean in terms of, like how good the movie is. I mean, like the, the actual film itself or, or the, the image, you know, the image of it. Um, yeah. Like just, uh, I don't know. Like, um, when you would watch like cheap gore, like it didn't look cheap. It, it looked like something you weren't supposed to see, you know? Like I remember, um, I actually had a bunch of, uh, Fulci films on VHS. I, and, and specifically, uh, zombie, and City of the Living Dead. And I had them on the VHS releases before Anchor Bay did like their big uh, DVD sets of them. And mm-hmm. when I got the DVD sets, they had been noticeably improved for the visual, uh, uh, the visual elements had been improved for DVD very dramatically so. And being able to see those things in much greater detail just in that jump from VHS to DVD, I remember thinking at the time, oh, it's actually kind of not as gory. Like, it doesn't yeah. look as disgusting as it did on that old VHS cut. Yeah, no, I, I can totally see that. Um, and yeah. there's a certain charm to it, and, like, now if a movie tries to do, like, fake VHS, I look down on it, because I'm like, oh, you're just trying to cover up... Uh, being shitty so like filmmakers now have a uh have a problem where they can't lean in on how most people are going to be viewing it as a way to hide some of the uh production i don't Mm. want to say flaws but uh uh production like budgetary issues and it's like oh but people won't be seeing this in crystal clarity now everyone is seeing everything in crystal clarity right right so yeah and I wouldn't want to go back, and but it's like, oh, it just kind of hurts these zero-budget filmmakers. That if they Definitely. have to do more, unless they you're, have to do it some way different. Yeah, unless you're really creative with it, like uh, like Father's Day, you know, like um, which we talked about. Father's Day did it very, very well, and as we uh, talked about, when they went to go explicit, you only saw brief flashes 
of the yeah. really explicit stuff. And it was just quick enough that you could register exactly what you were seeing and then cut away before you could actually process how detailed the effects were. So mm -hmm. it made it look really gory. This movie, though, is definitely going in all in to zoom in on the, yeah. uh, on the gore shots. And it's like, you can tell this is a bunch of people having fun in the woods on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so where where are we here in the story? Um, it's, oh, first uh, two chicks have just died, and so we that's a got us out in this whole conversation about the gore and the flick. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, so yeah, so, um, uh, you know, the other folks wake up and they, um, they find the, the bodies of the two, of the two women and yeah, they all start kind of freaking out and there's, you know, of course, conflict of what they should do. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know why, like, everybody isn't like, we should get the fuck out of here, but you know, <laughs> um, they never decide on that, like. Very few movies is the answer. You know what? We should just leave. Yeah. Oh, you know what? The the people who want to stay, they stay. They want to stay so they can bury bury the people. Oh, but, that's right. The bury. Yeah. That's a. Okay, I've seen that before in other movies. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know I've seen that before in other stories. And I think that's the lamest fucking reason to. It like, is because it's like, dude, back. like they're already dead. They're dead, and like. You're just gonna bury them in the woods, like I mean, like, <laughs> yes, like yes. in an unmarked grave in the woods. That's it. Yeah, like that's that that's that's a good way to get yourself accused of committing the, the murders. But that's a very good point. It's like you know, if I'm out camping with some friends, and you know, we, we get attacked, and several people end up dead, and there's need to escape in that. And someone's like, we need to bury them. It's just gonna be like, they're already dead. They don't care. Like, yeah, they don't care. we can come back later and collect them, but we can't, if we're all dead, who's going to bury you when you die? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so, but this just buys enough time for the zombies to start coming down on them even more, hmm? which eventually leads to them, Several of their survivors uh, hiding out. Oh, before we get to this scene, though, there is a great scene of the really fat hillbilly debating between uh, committing necrophilia or drinking uh, moonshine. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yep, yeah, because he stumbles upon the stash and the dead and one of the dead bodies. He discovers uh, he stumbles upon just the lower half of the torso of one of the dead bodies. Yeah, and as he puts it, this is great. I won't even have to put a bag on their head this time. <laughs> oh my god! Which I was like, whoa, that's a dark line right there. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, I was like, that's a good line. That's a really good line, but that's fucking dark. Wow, that that took me off guard in this movie when he said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, man. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So they they end up killing one of the zombies by spraying a apparently really corrosive deodorant in it in, in its face. Yes, that's right. That for some reason, uh, deodorant is a reoccurring theme in the movie, and which I thought it was going to be of uh on this you know watching this here that there was gonna be like some joke that the hillbillies don't have deodorant or that yeah like i really that joke never gets made in the movie no in they fact, they 
they they they just say that it's the the aluminum in the deodorant or whatever that that causes the uh, zombies to decay. In fact, in the commentary, the director says he settled upon deodorant because he was trying to think of an item in which the campers and every pe- every one of the houses out there in the middle of nowhere would all have. And it makes sense. And deodorant is what he settled on. And I was like, you know what? All right. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and so they they take the dead zombie and then they uh, try to get uh, the one character. I forget his name, but he is, uh, you know, uh, they, they want him to do uh, an autopsy because in on the because in their mind he's pre-med but as he insists over and over he's pre pre-veterinary veterinarian he's a he's studying to be a veterinarian and there's a really hilarious exchange about him about uh this dead body just be this dead person being just like a giant cat or something (laughs) um And, and then how though does he get on acid when does that happen so it's weird because, like, he's not freaking out yet. I mean, he's freaking out as much as anybody Certainly else we, would be. We see him smoking weed. Yeah. But so it becomes clear that at some point he took acid. Is does the movie ever actually tell us when exactly he took acid? Yeah. So, or is that, so uh, yeah. So when they're trying to get him to do the autopsy, he confesses yes. that he uh, took acid in the morning. Um, okay, okay, but yeah. we, we did not get any indication that he took acid before this scene. Yeah, right? no, like, because all okay, the freaking okay, out cool. he was doing before was, like, kind of everybody was freaking out because yeah. they just I found it. I wondering if I missed, if I just, like, missed a line in the scene before. Okay, cool, that makes me feel better. So this was, when it was confirmed, he was yeah. uh, on acid. Okay, yeah. Yes, and then he, but he's now hitting, like, the peak of his trip. And then yeah. they run this autopsy, and that's the autopsy on acid scene. Which apparently, this is the scene that, like, all the reviews I looked at, this is the scene that everyone remembers from the movie, and I did not remember this scene at all. I didn't either. I don't know how I didn't remember it because it's it's fucking great. <laughs> it's a fantastic scene. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, there's like he's pulling things out, and he thinks they're things that other people like even though it's just organs like you know like he pulls out one of those like stress balls where you squeeze it and it's the guy's the guy's eyes pop out um yeah and uh but and then like yeah and then somehow through the autopsy he determines that it's the deodorant that was killing the zombies or that killed that zombie and then also fun fact the actor that uh is on acid doing the autopsy has uh at the as at least at the filming of that scene had never done an illegal drug before in his life oh wow. and so he had to ask people over um what's it like to be on acid and how do people act and those on the crew that had a lot of experience with acid were then describing things to him and um, so that was his, like, secondhand interpretation acting on what somebody on acid would be like. Which, as someone that's done a bunch of acid and been around a lot of people who've done hallucinogens, he kind of nailed some of those uh, little ticks and some of, yeah. uh, uh, some of the little details there. I thought he did a pretty good job, despite having no actual real-world experience. 
I I would say he was actually one of one of the be- one of the one of the one of my favorite actors in the movie. I would say, um, just I don't I, I I wouldn't say he's a good actor, but like he was just like uh, he was just I don't know. He nailed that comedic, you know. Uh, I don't know. He just had it down. Like the just all those. Uh, I don't know. Like he just had a really good handle on the type of movie he was in. I think. Yeah. The the acting really saves this movie a lot. I mean, well, actually, th- this is a perfect storm. This movie of so many uh, little things that torpedo so many other projects that like the effects of this movie, while not particularly good, are good enough that pushes it over into like cult film level and they're willing to go far enough with the gore and some of the dark aspects of it that it becomes memorable like the acting well i don't think you can really say anyone's a really good actor right they're all good enough and they also are all interesting enough that there's not boring actors in this movie that everyone's kind of interesting in what they're doing and it's so easy to have like a bunch of community theater people that are just boring and don't actually really get what they're doing right that's a script that knows how to use them and this like they actually kind of like know what they're doing with their actors and on the commentary they reveal that for a lot of the dialogue scenes they do like sometimes a dozen takes and that what we're watching is in the edit the individual lines all spliced together that just work the best that like the editing on this movie is really really impressive especially when you hear them talk wow. about how it's assembled and that's also probably something a lot of like no budget films are missing and it took time but it was one of them editing it so as long as they were willing to take the time they were able to turn something that could have looked really amateurish into something that like you know looks pretty professional and looks really good yeah i could man i kind of want to rewatch it now because i didn't i mean you know i wasn't looking for it but i didn't see like i it didn't seem like it was you know edited that way like that's interesting well one of the key things is like early in the movie they they filmed it um chronolo uh, i can't i can't get that word out right now chronologically Thank you, thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. They filmed it in order, haha, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, in plot-wise order. But they also had to go back and do pickup shots throughout the entire thing. So when the movie starts, you also see that most of the trees have leaves on them. By the time the movie ends, all the trees have lost all their leaves, <laughs> and you'll see it sometimes change in the uh, in the uh, scenes. And they actually had an in-plot answer to that which is not, not addressed in the movie at all, that the nuclear waste has infected the ground and is causing all the trees to trees Oh, die. that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, like, they were kind of using their limitations to their advantage there, which is very, very entertaining. Yeah, that's great. No, I love that. Um, you know, now, uh, now, one thing I did notice was, like, uh, the, the military base scene, like, all the shots are really tight, like, you know, like almost like close-ups, you know, on the, on the actors. Cause like, obviously they're not shooting in a military yeah. base. Yeah. They, I think they mentioned that all the interior scenes that weren't illegal shots, which the military base was not one, was done at one of their apartments that they just like remade a room in their apartment, some walls in their apartment. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Which is also, once again, awesome that like, yeah. 
they're like just using their apartments to just make up a corner of a set. Yeah, no, for real. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, inevitably, uh, since, you know, they know how to beat the zombies, uh, it's time to fight back, you know, and, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know what to think of the final confrontations with the zombie that it's so awful. It's endearing. And because it's basically a bunch of people running in circles around in the park. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we get uh, some amazing sight gags throughout the entire thing. Yeah, the uh, the guide getting torn in half is probably the most memorable. Yep, which is a good effect sequence. That's probably one of their best effect sequences in the entire movie. Oh, yeah. and, and, of course, an obvious tribute to uh, Dawn of the Dead. Is it, it, is it Dawn or is it Rhodes' death and day that they're paying tribute to? Shit, I'm sorry. Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Day of the Dead. Um, I got Dawn of Day there mixed up because, and this is also not a joke, um, the zombies' outfits are all meant to, if you notice earlier in the movie, they're all rednecks, and now they're all people that look like they came from a mall. And that oh, was done on funny. purpose. And so it's supposed to be a both a Dawn and Day of the Dead reference shout-out in that last scene. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So... Uh. It's, there's no, there's nothing in the movie that would actually clarify that to you. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just something um, that zombies. I was like, huh, he's right. The zombies are dressed differently all of a sudden. That's amazing. Um, and then the uh, there's yeah, there's one one woman who survives, and she goes through a series of uh, trials. Oh, no, no. Before we get to that, before we get to that, yeah. that final zombie attack scene. Did you also notice that there was like the fucking classic Shaun of the Dead zombie defense strategy is employed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which blew right. my mind. I was like, shit, this is Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, uh, the, one uh, of the characters. The same, the same guy who did the autopsy, right? The same guy who did the autopsy and did acid. When confronted with the zombies, he pretends to be a zombie, and then he points out somebody else hiding, and the yeah. zombies go after that guy, and he just lurches along with the zombies. But then, and then it goes even further than Shaun of the Dead, because then the zombies start to eat the guy, blood starts spraying everywhere, actual human guy gets sick, and the zombies realize they were fooled, yes. and then they go after him. Which I loved. I loved that whole that whole gag. Like, that, that was, was just... Great. That was yeah. great. That, that made the entire movie worth it for me, was just that gag. I was like, that's really fucking funny. Yeah, and, holy shit. And then before we get to the end here... Um, one of the stars also the final zombie fight scene is the drinking guy. Did you notice the drinking guy in this movie who has zero lines of dialogue and no one ever re- references him in the course of the entire movie, but he's always there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, that was done on purpose. The people making the movie just thought it would be funny if they had a character that never said anything and no one ever directly acknowledged and he was just there the entire time. And he doesn't. Was he there the entire time? Like, was he's he... there the entire movie? Oh he, man, um, he's not in every scene. He just randomly comes and goes. But yeah. like, I'm not sure where he first pops up. Yeah, because I didn't start a... noticing him until like towards the end, like when they're, you know, like I think it's like the autopsy scene when I notice him, you know. N- not when they're introducing everyone when they're walking through the woods, but like one of the scenes where they set up camp and they're all just hanging around. He's just there drinking. 
And, yeah. like, that's, like, his first scene in the movie. And, like, he's easy not to notice because no one's talking at him ever. There's, like, we're mm-hmm. never really getting any scene featuring him. Um, He's in the, uh, like, autopsy, in the cave scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, That was uh, when I first watched it before watching it with the commentary. That was when I first noticed him. I was like, yeah. wait, who's that guy in the yeah. cave? But he actually yeah. does appear very briefly before that. That's fun. Yeah. But the drinking guy also has some standout moments in the fight, like refusing to punch a child. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and then, yeah, everything oh, goes to shit. Is he, is he the one who who uses the bottle? That, that he's uh, the one that uses the bottle. Yes, as I mentioned yeah. earlier, the yes, he's the one that uses the one, the only prop they paid money for yes. in the making of this movie. Everything else they made themselves. That was the one thing they paid for. It was that break that um, sugar glass bottle, and it almost went to shit. Uh, yes. as he, as he <laughs> out. man. Yes. Um, if he did drop it, imagine if he did drop it. Just yeah. everyone, no. Uh, no movie now. <laughs> now we got to order another one. It's going to be another four weekends from now, and we're going to have to yep. shoot the scene again, and it's going to be 36 instead of 32 weeks, and, like, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Man. That is realistically what would have happened. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so, okay, so, yeah, after the big fight, like, we've got some, I guess, some final girl stuff, you know? Uh, yeah, we, you know, we get, like, some of a whole end final girl sequence. Um, yeah. That's essentially uh, the one surviving uh, camping chick versus the redneck zombies that have been the ones distributing alcohol for the whole movie. And yeah. it's essentially her versus them. And it goes into a real uh, 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 original Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe for this yes. last episode. That's Definitely. what kept just popping in my mind the whole time. It didn't well, seem pain. It seemed like the zombie movie tributes were like done, and now this is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre tribute for its last fifteen minutes or so. Well, yeah, because she goes from like house to house, doesn't she? Yeah. And then, like, yes. Meets like yeah, different zombies. And correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, she gets raped by a zombie, does she not? Oh, yes, that yes, she does. That's the very end. The very end, after yeah. all the showdowns, she encounters the last zombie, which is the obese one from earlier. Who redneck had one. The whole, um, no, not redneck one. He no? confronts redneck one. Redneck one was skinny. I don't think Can so. I, oh, wait, am I getting confused? Yeah, 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 because uh, the soldier says, calls Redneck One Slim, and then oh, he looks down right, at himself right. and he's like, I'm not. You're right, I'm, I'm confusing Rednecks, I'm confusing Rednecks. Yeah. There's so many Rednecks. Um, <laughs> a lot of Rednecks in this but movie. Yes, yeah, and, but it's also the one that did the uh, necrophilia joke yes. uh, scene earlier in the movie. And yes, him transformed as a zombie, uh, he does indeed rape her. We get a zombie orgasm scene with him orgasming and then she kills him with a uh corn cob of ear through the eye into his brain yep yep and i'll be honest i did not realize that uh so 
there's the rape scene, which I didn't realize was a rape scene. I actually thought it was a joke, and he prematurely ejaculated because he didn't get her pants off her. Oh, that's possible. And, and then, no, 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 we're going to get to oh, this. Oh, no, yeah, 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 and, yeah no, you're then, right, actually. And then we get the scene in the insane asylum later where she's pregnant, and we see a brief flash of the fetus inside of her. Yeah. Which that's supposed to be us, that the fetus is radioactive and she was raped and is now pregnant. I did not get that. With the redneck zombie. I did not get that. I did not get that. And then I watched the commentary. I watched the movie with the commentary on. And um, when they, care, they do that, the rape sequence, and um, uh, and then the, the flash in the, uh, in the asylum, and one of the producers says, oh, so we did add in that, like, like uh, radioactive <laughs> fetus flash. You know, the other producers are like, yeah, I didn't think people would get that she was actually raped and impregnated. And one of the other people's like, people didn't, wouldn't get that? And there's like, holy shit, I didn't get that. This is news to me. He raped and impregnated her? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so I still didn't get it until the director's commentary. Because I funny. actually... Um, when I was like rewatching it here, I just stripped, didn't notice the, because it's just a flash of the radioactive fetus. It's just a flash. Yeah. I just should have, did not, my eyes were not on her stomach when the flash happened, and I just did not notice it. Yeah, wow. Which, but, uh, uh, the zombie is, it's, we as a viewer is meant to interpret that the obese redneck zombie raped her and has impregnated her. Yeah, with the redneck they, zombie. Yes, yes. And then the drinking dude has survived as well, and he's in the cell next to her reading Fangoria. Yeah, yeah. And he just kind of, like, shrugs, because, like, we thought, like, he was, he died, right? Because he, he, uh, he, it was, it was, I think he got swarmed at one point, or maybe. Yes, he he gets swarmed. It's kind of implied that he died, but, oh, no, it turned out he made it, but he's, is he missing both his arms? Um. Because he's, oh. he's reading the Fangoria with his feet, if you remember. Oh, that's right. That's and right. One of his arms is definitely missing, but the way they have it shot, it's hard to tell if his other arm is. I think we're meant to interpret that both of his arms are now missing, and yeah. you know, the gag that he's not reading with his feet. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so that's uh, that's Redneck Zombies. Um, does it have a write-up in um, uh, All I Need to Learn? Oh, God, hold on. All I need to know about filmmaking, I learned from the Toxic Avenger. Holy shit, you got it, Lucas. Yeah, I didn't think I was. I would. All right, I know it does in here. Um, I said I know it does in here. And then I also saw a few other things uh, about this after. Oh, cool. Really, the Trump's history. So first, here's the write-up. Let's see what it says in here. Um, Director Lunas did the special effects for such trauma classics as Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD, and Toxic Avenger 2 and 3. So you can be sure the man's been been warped by Kaufman and Hearst. In this film, some some dumb-ass hicks mistake barrels of toxic waste for homebrew moonshine and become even dumber-ass cannibalistic zombies. Contains more blood and gore than almost any other dish on the Truma Smorgasbord of Love. Hmm. It's a fun little write-up. Yeah. Um, so, first I wanted to also talk about how this movie came to be distributed by Truma. That yeah. There's actually 
a rather famous story, which I knew beforehand. It's like, oh, it's, and then in research over the past couple episodes, the story keeps coming up. It's that um, the people who made uh, Redneck Zombies, this is a trauma story. This is related by Lloyd Kaufman in several places. This is also related in um, uh, Marketing 101. Everything I didn't know about business and marketing, I learned from the Toxic Avenger by Jeffrey Sass, who was Trauma's head of marketing for about seven years. And Sass relates it as a firsthand experience of showing up to the Trauma offices one day, and there's these two guys sleeping in front, blocking the door. <laughs> and he asked them to just move, thinking that they're like some homeless people sleeping. Which um, this part of New York City where the trauma offices are in the 80s, New York City is not an unusual thing. Right. And he gets in and um, he goes out later to leave the office to do something. And these two guys are still just sitting out front. And they ask, is this a trauma office? And, and, the guy, and this guy's like, yeah, yeah, it is. And they say, oh, cool. We've driven up from Baltimore. We have a movie we want to uh, show. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll see what I can do. When he goes back inside, he goes to Lloyd Kaufman, and it's like, have you seen the two guys that are out front of the building? And, like, Kaufman's like, yeah, they were sleeping when, uh, when I showed up here, but they weren't blocking the door, so I didn't bother them. And, <laughs> and so, um, and then Jeffrey Sass is like, no, they're still here, apparently, like, they have a movie they want to show. And, um, and they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll let them come up to hang out in the offices and, like, like to hang out in the waiting room. And, like, and Lloyd Kaufman said, like, maybe if he had time, he would watch it. So they let them come up, and they hung out in the waiting room. And after, like, an hour or two of doing business, Lloyd Kaufman basically says, like, hi to them, agrees to meet them. And it's like, uh, and they say, like, oh, we're big trauma fans. We made this movie, like, be inspired by trauma um and we want you to watch it we think it'd be fit in great with trauma and like kaufman asked him like okay what's it called and he was expecting to blow him off with it being a boring title and like we're, we don't distribute that type of movie <clears throat> and they told him redneck zombies and so then like kaufman was interested well how do you and say no they, to that and so then they made him wait another couple hours and while well, they had other business they were doing and then at the very end of the business day so these guys have been waiting all day with redneck zombies at the very end Lloyd kaufman um has him michael hearse and jeffrey sass head of marketing and they all go into the room and it's like all right you have this movie let's we'll watch the first 15 minutes of it and with the idea of they'd watch 15 minutes and then tell them like oh good job come back to us later and the story goes that they watched the whole movie, and then the night ended with them negotiating details for how Chomo was going to distribute it. None of that's true. <laughs> None of that's true. That's According funny. to the director and the producers on their DVD commentary, released by Chomo, by the way, uh, that has been the story that Chomo has told for decades. That did not happen. They were not even aware of trauma until midway through uh, filming Redneck Zombies, the Toxic Avenger came out. And they all went to go see the Toxic Avenger one night and loved it and got super excited 
when they're like, holy shit, there's other people out there having the same ideas we are. Yes. And so that's how Choma got on their radar. It wasn't that they were inspired by Choma. It was because they happened to be doing the same thing at the exact same time. And they got excited seeing that, like, well, they're in bumfuck Maryland making Redneck Zombies. There's actually some people in, oh, my God, New York City making these same types of movies. And so yeah. they actually tried to get Redneck Zombies distributed to um, through other places, but they got turned down everywhere because of the fact that it was shot on VHS. And that's why nobody wanted to release it. And mm. so they reached out to Troma, and they sent Troma a screener copy, and Lloyd Kaufman, according to them, loved it. And they had a set scheduled meeting, which they showed up to in New York City at Troma's offices, which they negotiated the deal to. This whole thing of them sitting outside and randomly showing up with a movie, which Troma acquired on the spot, that never happened. But it's a good story. It's a and great story. Hoffman and Troma love repeating it all over the place, but it never happened. That's funny. Oh, man. And yes, the director of this movie did go on that he did work on um, Toxic Avenger Part 2 and 3, and he also worked on Troma's War, which we've mm-hmm. already covered on this show. And then he uh, made, essentially was kind of out of filmmaking until like 2007, which I haven't been able to find much about this movie, but he made a 2007 movie called The Loop. And it has something to do with post-9-11 psychological effects on people. And it's like a, a psychological horror of like losing identity and stuff like that. I got to be honest, looking up, reading about it, it sounds like the classic thing of a... Um, independent filmmaker uh doing something trashy fun and then when they finally can do something again try to go self-important up their own ass like that's how it sounds to me to be <laughs> honest. i'm sorry if you listen to this percy lunas but the marketing for the loop does not sound good well hey you know he also was the special effects supervisor on a movie called shattered dead which um was an independent film uh made in you know, 1994, um, it was this, I'd, I've never actually seen it, but I remember it being, like, talked about a lot, um, but it's about... Yeah, that's about, one of those movies that's always just been around. I've never seen it either, yeah. but I have definitely have heard its name just over the decades. I have heard this movie mentioned in various places. Yeah, so it's about a woman who, um, after the zombie apocalypse, or, like, maybe during, she gets... Um, knocked up by the angel of death and uh yeah um yeah 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 it's um oh that sounds something like that sounds intriguing yeah no it's supposed to have like really good effects for like it's um you know for it's a really small budget oh joe bob briggs called it the night of the living dead of the 90s um you know uh so that's that's kind of cool um and yeah, it um I've never actually seen it, but I remember the you know, the cover for it and I remember like oh, and the tagline is God hates you. <laughs> oh, that's a great tagline. Yeah. That's oh, fucking man. great. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of uh that's a that's that's a fun little tidbit, I guess. Um, now, I I'm really surprised now now to kind of like finish up here, like 
I'm really surprised that most of the main people involved in this movie never really went on to do anything else. And yeah. that Redneck Zombies, um, I mean, like, they, they, they did some small behind-the-scenes things here and there, but they all kind of got out of filmmaking as the years went on. And they never really worked on anything more noteworthy, in my opinion, than Redneck Zombies. And I'm also really surprised that, like, they never even tried to do, like, a Redneck Zombies sequel. Um, yeah. Or that I'm also surprised. This is another like franchise. I'm surprised that Troma or somebody else hasn't tried to bring back in some way. This seems ripe for uh, another movie in the franchise, like a sequel or even just a remake, just taking the original concept yeah. and just having somebody else run in a different direction with it. Like I think there's a lot of potential here and and i'm and it has such name recognition it's such a great title surprises just not much more done with this if anything um i want to see more about that that scene that the you know the uh the home butcher scene the home butcher scene jesus christ yes i want to see that movie i'm like what the fuck just happened there yeah yeah (laughs) oh man um, so do you, do you recommend this movie to people? Oh man, this is actually kind of a difficult one. Um, I, you know what I was thinking while watching it, this would be a super fun double feature with the producer's cut of Rabbit Grannies. Um, I can see that. Uh, I think like both those films kind of fill in that same, uh, niche. Um, yeah. I, I, I really had a fun time watching this. I think, though, this is a hard one also to recommend because it's zombies, and it's worth yeah. noting that when this came out, zombies were not what they are now. Like, no. we're not inundated with zombie movies and zombie material. And, and not just inundated with zombies, but also the zombies that we are inundated with now are so um, – it's also serious. And I I feel like – I don't know, like, people are so used to seeing zombies as this kind of Walking Dead kind of thing, and I mean that, like, kind of, like, modeled after the show specifically, um, that they wouldn't, the audience, I don't know if they'd know what to do with a movie like this. Uh, I I don't really agree with that. There's a lot of zombies, silly zombie media out there that achieved widespread mainstream success. Yeah. I already... Dropped, and this is going to be one of the more well, obscure I mean, examples I'll give. Is like we are, we already name dropped Shaun the Dead, but then there was mm-hmm. also um what's it the uh, oh god I hated the movie, but everyone else seemed to fucking love it. The um uh the kid living in zombie apocalypse. Woody Harrelson is in it. Bill Murray oh, has Zombie Land. Zombie Land. Thank you. I fucking yeah, that but movie. like I, and that I mean, was those were... and then there was also um what's it called I Zombie. Uh, that gets really is really silly and really uh, cheesy. Um, wait, Rise Zombies the uh, the uh, detective one based on the Vertigo comics was also a bit cheesy. Oh, you mean uh, Z-, Z Nation? Z yeah, Z Lander, Z Nation, or whatever the fuck, yeah, or Z yeah. World, whatever the fuck it's called. There's also that which has a big like. There's a lot of frameworks. And yeah, I'm I mean, sure I guess coming up with more. There's a lot like, of frameworks of reference. I feel like the ones you you names are like they're like funny in like a pop culture kind of way like i feel like this one is a little more like just that low budget i don't know like zombies are like a such a big industry now like i feel like 
something low budget and 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 weird and offbeat would be I don't know. It, I still feel like though we get lots of movies like that. Um because we get like the low budget horror comedies every year that kind yeah. of are kind of invoking actually redneck zombies. Like they're all like redneck zombies is one of their precursors. Um I think very much you could have something exactly like this come out and so enjoy the level of success success would be appropriate for it. Like, I don't think this is like some great hit, hidden gem or really reinventing things. Right. I think I think the main interesting thing about this movie is just how DIY the entire production was. Just yeah. how these people with this is literally like people like you and me and anyone listening to this getting a couple of their friends together and be able to stay focused for yeah. a, a year and <laughs> dedicate all their free time for a year and dedicate whatever extra spending money they have from their day jobs for a year and they made a movie and they made a movie that we're now talking about it fuck over uh, 30 years after yeah. it came out like um that's really impressive i mean and yeah that I w- that's worth celebrating i would say you know so i think this is like a really cool interesting movie in like that film nerd DIY art sense. Yeah. However, like, am I going to recommend it to someone that even loves trashy horror films as like one to check out? I'm not really sure. And it's just because so many of the things later did so many similar things. And, and it is just like a zombie movie. Right. I don't know. I enjoyed all of my time spent with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly enjoyed it. I I loved I don't even know what to say. So I guess this is going to be my first time. It's like, do you recommend it or not? My response is going to be like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Lucas, would you recommend this movie? I would. I, I, I would. Um, I would. I would show it to a friend. I wouldn't tell somebody to watch it. But like if like I had people over, like I would be like, let's this this might be a fun one to watch. I don't know if it would be my first choice, but um, but I could see my I could see myself throwing this on at a party or something. Yeah, it's a good background party movie. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's how I saw it until doing this episode to actually like sit down and watch it because i'm like yeah there's lots large parts of this i do not remember and then there's also large sections that i do remember so yeah. I'm like this had to have been like a background party movie at some point but the danger there though is that you might miss the autopsy scene like you did <laughs> i completely miss the autopsy scene yeah and that is like that's the highlight i i would say um but uh, this was a fun this was another fun one to to check out oh oh also i forgot um uh i didn't realize until um i have no idea what he did on but the director also worked on choma's death by temptation so oh cool he actually worked on another production that ended up getting distributed by trauma nice nice so just one more little fun factoid but it's also like really interesting when i was listening to directors and the producers talk on the commentary they were so impassioned about this movie they were so fucking psyched that they were asked to do a commentary they talk about how they go to horror conventions and they'll go to conventions which trauma's at and they'll work the table while there and they'll be like the guys selling like dvds and shit and be like no you know we made redneck zombies and like that's fucking awesome. They seem to be like legit all proud about what they accomplished as young people 
in making this movie and as they should be and that passion they have for it and them all as older men still talking about how much they loved this movie how much fun they had i'm like man i wish you guys made another movie yeah i I, mean because this is like their first thing and i'm like it shows so much promise i would like to see something else from this collective of people it does sound like and and that is cool that they are that they do look back on it fondly you know i mean because we and, 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 you know, and, 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 and that they're proud of it because they should be, you know, because we talk a lot on this show about how it's not easy to make a movie. And these yeah. guys just did it like they, you know, like they just, they just did it. They yeah. just did it. And which is insane. And they look back on it, like really only with fondness. And they talk about some, some days of the shoot were pure nightmares and like for all sorts of different reasons. But, like, no one ever got hurt on the sets. Like, all the discomfort was just your normal mu- movie discomfort of being in cold temperatures covered in fake blood. Like, that's, yeah. that's that sort of shit. And then they, they just look back on it with such such fondness. Oh, that's awesome. So it's like, like they, still, they still really love it. And they all went off to kind of, like, do different, uh, different things. Yeah. And it's like... Man, I really wish they would have stayed together and made one more, like, like not even one more. Like, I would have liked to have seen what they would have made, like, three more movies. If yeah, they were just, just able few, to right? just keep going and, like, from whatever they learned from Index Zombies. Because, obviously, they learned so much because what they have on screen there is so much better than, like, people who've made several movies with Hollywood <laughs> financing. Like, they should to be more technically um, adapt and, like, knowledgeable than people with millions of dollars behind them at points sure. and so like what so if they just kept working on their own what could they have accomplished with like another three times trying be interesting to see it uh, would have been interesting yeah. to see you know um yeah so with all that said that's, yeah that's kind of my ending note that's kind of my ending, yeah. ending thought of ah this is interesting and i wish these people would have made more yeah what um what do you think we should talk about next week? Oh man, so we're going back to I, I feel like okay, so I had picked two movies in a row and then you picked two movies in a row. So yeah. I feel like it's back to my pick and I was already thinking about this. Okay. Okay, so we, we should uh we we've been going from uh non Kaufman to Kaufman uh-huh. and uh so we gotta go back to Kaufman and I feel like it is fucking time Let's do my absolute favorite Lloyd Kaufman movie, which I don't believe you have seen, which is Poultrygeist, Night of the Chicken Dead. All right. Yeah, I'm down with Poultrygeist. Have you seen this yet? I – not not all of it, no. No. I, I've seen parts okay. of it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you've seen parts of it. Okay. Oh, my God. This is my absolute favorite Lloyd Kaufman movie. Uh, it's cool. going to be a fun – it is going to be a fun one to talk about. And yeah, it's, it's a fun movie, and the whole shoot was a fucking debacle, complete with uh, gangbanger drive-bys, and it's, Holy shit. it's oh, it's a shit show. It's gonna be a fun one to talk about, man. Oh, and the man. movie is just chef's kiss. The movie is just goddamn. Yeah. you know, uh, every time I I need a laugh, like I'll I'll still pull up the clip of the uh, the the wishbone scene um, when they. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, yes, 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 the wishbone, see, in it, yes. So, yeah. 
If anyone's wondering what we're talking about, you have to watch the movie. And yes. I also highly recommend... Oh, fuck, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but there's also a full-length behind-the-scenes documentary on Poultry Geist that Trauma made and produced that is phenomenal. I know it's on Trauma now. Um, yeah. If you have time, Lucas, highly recommend you also watch watching, yeah, yeah. watching that in prep for the next week's episode. Yeah, because I like... Yeah, I liked doing uh, Farts of Darkness with um, Terraformer. That was a good, yeah. that was a good time. So yeah, well, this is an, this is another one of those. Okay, cool, cool. All right. Well, um, do you do you have anything you want to plug? Oh man, do I have anything I want to plug? Um, okay, yeah. Trying to give shout outs to like uh, other people just doing cool, low and no budget shit about things they love. Uh, this time, I'm going to recommend a YouTube channel, which I also know Lucas likes this channel. I like yeah. to recommend Spooky Rice. Oh, uh, yeah. Who does really great breakdowns of some of the world's most disturbing and violent and vile entertainment and media. Um, he, there's two extreme horror youtube channels that i'm obsessed with one takes it very seriously who i'll recommend later and another one takes it very silly which is spooky rice and spooky <laughs> rice low-key cracks me up so often Every i love, his, time, I love his work i find him so funny he's great i think he's just some college kid like he mentions repeatedly that he's in college i think he's like yeah like in his very low 20s watching the type of shit that we obsess over and doing some very low-key silly videos about them. I yeah, love his I work love it and so highly much. recommend his stuff. Yeah, um, in, in particular, if you haven't seen his video for a movie called The Hood Has Eyes, I, <laughs> I cannot recommend it enough. <laughs> I, I like his stuff. Yeah, cool. Uh, all right, Lucas, what do you got, uh, Pimp? Yeah, so I'm uh I'm gonna also plug someone that's not me this week. Uh, I've I've been listening to this um, musician uh, named his name is Lord Bile. Um, it, people say he's a rapper, but he's a lot more than just a rapper. Like he his stuff actually kind of gives me the feeling I used to get from listening to um like uh you know uh like Nine Inch Nails and and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's just really really dark and grimy music um he's on like oh yeah part of like the um there's actually like this been this whole i'm not familiar with lord bile but there's like this whole new scene of like dark industrial hip-hop crossover yeah which i would group in like um death grips horror with horror spelled all nines yeah and okay is he like a part of like that kind of vibe yeah i would say there's yeah i would say there's definitely yeah, there's definitely some, yeah, yeah. Hey, I would say. I'll, I, I'm not familiar, so I'll have to check this out. Yeah, I think you'd, I think you would like him quite a bit, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's who I got this week. I've been listening to him a lot. Sweet. Yeah. So yeah, everyone, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can contact us there. We're lonely. Please interact with us. I just have cats. Lucas just has kids. That's what we're stuck with. (laughs) All right. Until next week, then, Poultry Geist. Hell yeah.